The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My name is Elizabeth. I just want you to know I never listen to I Doubt It with Jesse Dollamore because he reminds me of Sarah Limbaugh, and I don't like him. Bye. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Happy times, everybody. Welcome to episode 128 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I, as always, am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, Brittany Page. As always, we'll <laughs> see what happens in the future. Remember the first, I don't know, 10, 20, 35, 50 episodes? You're always waiting for the axe to drop. <laughs> always waiting to be fired summarily. I, I wouldn't say that. Um, no? I mean, maybe you were thinking about firing me, and so you're projecting <laughs> something onto me, because I definitely wasn't feeling that way. So. I don't know. I, I think you were feeling like uh, that. I feel like there's some projection happening here. Nope. Mm-hmm. Keep acting like that, and you might get your ass fired. Uh-oh. <laughs> like I said, episode 128, everybody. Big, big show. Lots of stuff going on. Unbelievable. That we can go only just a couple days in between shows and have still full shows of stuff to talk about. Yes. Well, it's the news. Yeah. And politics and religion. And there's always just S shows Well, in those in those areas. I think it goes beyond the S shows, as you would say, mm-hmm. or as I would say, the shit shows, is that our country is chocked full of banjo-loving... Back home woods, you know what I mean? Yeah, perfect music, and yes, I do know what you mean. It's unbelievable to me that people can proudly proclaim their opinions on such matters that we will talk about in today's show. Yes. But before we do, oh, go ahead. Well, I wanted to say something before we do. The drop at the beginning of the show oh yeah hilarious well do i really am i really a rush limbaugh like figure (laughs) i mean come on i i don't think so because i can't even listen to rush limbaugh for you know a couple seconds without becoming enraged so if i was the type to be offended by a comment i think i would let elizabeth have a little piece of my mind as it were yeah, no. I'm, I'm in no way a Rush Limbaugh figure. I am someone who appeals for calm, for cooler heads to prevail on issues, for, for for us to move the conversation forward through dialogue and discussion. I think <laughs> I think that it was just a joke. So don't get all upset about it. I'm not all all upset. I'm just 
mildly I'm upset. S- I'm sensitive, Brittany. Page. I think it was very, very funny. And as soon as we got it, we were both laughing hysterically. That's yeah. exactly just the, that's exactly the kind of drop that makes our day. So oh, thank you for that. That's also exactly what we're looking for in a drop. Yes. That is exactly it. Yes, beautiful. You could shit on me as much as you'd like. I am a I am a, a blank canvas <laughs> for your fecal disparity. Oh yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So as we talked about last episode, Brittany and I are getting ready to go on a trip traveling to northern Idaho and eastern Washington, Mm -hmm. as it were. And we might even make a stop. It depends on how things go in the greater Seattle, Washington area. Yes. So it'll be a nice trip. We will absolutely record one show from the road, most certainly one show from the road, possibly two. But we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. <laughs> and hopefully one of those shows is kind of a roundup of different cast of characters in my, in my life. And hell, who knows? We might even do interviews. I don't know what we're going to do, but it'll be something. I hope we don't do what we did over my birthday weekend where we completely just didn't do a show. Well, that's what I'm kind of sitting here thinking. Like, don't overpromise all these interviews and stuff like that because... Well, not interviews, but I want to do a show on the road. Okay. We're bringing the skeleton equipment in order to do a show on the road. Right. So well, skeleton equipment, what our original equipment was. Yes. So we're throwing it back to episodes one through... Like fucking 85? No, <laughs> no, not 85. Anyway, we're going on the road. It's going to be a good time. As always, it'll be a good time. In preparation for the trip, though, it was funny... We, you know, you scramble around and you go get things that you need, the little travel toothpastes and the travel shampoos and the, for Brittany Page, the wildly overpriced travel hairsprays and whatever. All right. Anyway. (laughs) And we stopped into a Target, Mm -hmm. which is a higher rent Walmart. (laughs) Isn't that what it is? A much higher rent. It's a classier Walmart. For those of you who are listening to us from outside the borders of the United States, that is what it is. Well, when checking out, there was a gentleman in front of us who had two items. And it made me think because I judged automatically what he was, what he was doing, and what he might need these items for in concert with one another. On the conveyor belt in front of us was a 12-pack of Kleenex tissues... Along with a 12-pack of Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And I immediately, the only thing I could think of was, why does he need these two things? That he's he's obviously planning for a marathon masturbation session. Oh, God. And he's going to need the Kleenex. And then in the aftermath, he's going to be so exhausted and tired and dehydrated that he's going to need to rehydrate. Replenish his electrolytes. That's, that's right. Replenish his electrolytes. I couldn't have said it better. With said Gatorade. That is disgusting. Well, I then I obviously I don't think that's why well, it might have been. He was kind of creepy. But I thought about it and think about all the different times you've gone to the store, grocery store or Target or whatever, and bought things in concert with one another that someone could be just watching your items and making judgments. Oh, you know, this is a bummer because um, I have most certainly done this and I've actually collected my items and then before going to the register thought, oh my God, this is going to look really bad. <laughs> 
and I think I was actually with you and I think we decided to put one of them back because we were like we don't want people to think I think it was like a a, a toilet plunger and a toilet brush oh yeah or no a toilet plunger and then like wipes baby wipes yeah 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 and well not baby wipes adult wipes but for your ass and um <laughs> And so people would have thought, wow, she's really having a tum time right. because she needs the wipes issues. and the plunging of the toilet. That's and that's right. a bad time. Yeah. Well, then I thought about it. I thought I give it a little bit more thought. And there are certain items that you probably don't want to buy together. Right. And then I thought, you know, for instance, if you add alcohol, like a bottle of whiskey to any purchase, you could buy a bottle of whiskey and toilet paper together. And it's going to seem like there's something going on. Right. Like you said, tampons and ice cream. That's that's something that's going to... It's painting a picture that you might not want painted. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's more common. That's a more of a common one. I think that's like the cliche one where the girl's in line and she's buying the Ben and Jerry's and then she has all the period materials and, <laughs> you know... Well, I'm just wondering, am, am I out of line for having judged this young creepy creeper at the at the at the target? Or is that is that a common thing? Because um, I was judging the shit out of well, him. I don't know about the judgment. I felt like I needed one of his Gatorades <laughs> after having exerted so much energy judging the shit out of okay, him. Okay, I think the judgment is weird because let him do what he's gonna do with his Kleenex. But um Listen, I would have been absolutely convinced of my suspicion had it been a bottle of lotion the kleenexes <laughs> and the gatorade why does he need all those boxes of kleenex just use a towel just reuse a towel well no, i mean you probably no. it's probably going to be done though after when he's it, done with it that's but. right it's because once once it dries it's like crispy it's like crackly it, yeah it'll break like a frozen towel okay yeah no good yeah you don't want to ruin a, a perfectly good towel <laughs> You know, but it's just wasteful with all that Kleenex. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, at least the Kleenex are biodegradable. Okay, maybe not afterward though. I I guess we'd have to have a biologist come in <laughs> and tell us exactly what could be done. Yeah, with those tissues afterward. Yeah, they might be like re radioactive. He was just that creepy. Or maybe it was the Gatorade. All that Gatorade. Or maybe I'm the creepy one who's putting all this on. This young gentleman. I don't know. Maybe, maybe our our listeners do this. We we should see. Maybe so. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. That is the number to let us know. That is the number to call. You can leave your promo for the show where you tell us who you are, where you're from, and how you never listen to the show. Because maybe I remind you of Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> while you're at it, while you're thinking about the show. After you put that number and speed dial into your phone, 657-464-7609, why don't you visit iTunes or Stitcher and review and rate us to whatever level that you feel is fair. That would be a treat for Brittany and I while we are on our trip. Because I don't check that neurotically like Brittany checks her grades, but I certainly like to check it once in a while and it's nice to have that number tick up one by one, or five by five for that matter. So if you haven't, if you're listening to the show and you haven't reviewed us and rated us, then go do that. We would love you for it. We appreciate it. Let's move on.
All right. As everyone knows, I absolutely love to hear from our listeners. I almost said fans, but there's not a fucking chance we've got a fan out there. Brittany, you might have a fan. Uh Uh-huh. I definitely don't have fans. Yes. I think the most accurate description of the people who listen to the show would be arch nemesis. Of you. Yeah. What's the plural of nemesis? Nemesis. Nemesi. Nemesi? Yeah. I have arch nemesi, Brittany. Perfect. Well, we had someone ask us a question via the Facebook page, and if you are not already liking the Facebook page, you need to figure that out because something is going tragically wrong in your life. Rachel from Tennessee asked us the following relative to GMOs and bees. Yes. She says, I have a couple of questions regarding your thoughts on GMOs. While I understand it has been established that GMOs are safe... And a huge step in addressing world hunger. Can you tell me what you think about the endangerment to bees and other pollinating insects that are so vital to the growing process, especially for small-time or self-sufficiency type farmers? Also, much of the anti-GMO literature that I've been exposed to doesn't really speak so much to the danger of GMOs as they do to what they describe as a significant depletion in potency of the natural, nutritious properties in many of these foods. So I get confused when I hear things about GMOs not being dangerous, per se, because I never knew that was the concern. Just that the gene pools for nutritious food could be compromised, essentially, and that pollinating insects could face endangerment as species. I'd really appreciate if you guys could help me dispel these fears. And two things. One, thank you very much for the question. Thanks. I don't know how comfortable I feel that we are the resource to which you came to answer these questions. However, I love that you did because even if you do disagree with us on this particular topic, the fact that you're seeking out information outside of your 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 normal circle is a good thing. It's moving the conversation forward. Absolutely. As did you just say that for the first time? Are you, are you coining that? That's a we should start using that on the show. Yeah, we should. <laughs> well, because I am not a geneticist or a bee expert, and neither am I. Uh, you're not. No. Wow. Oh, the psychology. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because of that, my ignorance in this this arena, I went outside of my own fucking brain to figure this out. Luckily, I have a good friend who happens to be, well, I don't know if he would be comfortable with me uh, naming him as an expert on bees, but he is rapidly becoming an expert in the field of bees. Right now, it's just a hobby, but he is a science guy. So we asked him on. And joining us via the wonder and magic of Skype, is my very good friend, Mark Nagel, who is the page runner at Mark's Beehole on Facebook. Mark, thanks for joining us very much, and how are you? Hey, how are you doing? We're doing good. Great. So you are, as in my fumblefuck intro for you, you are a bee person. How about that? What do you feel comfortable with as a title? <laughs> I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I'm working towards becoming an expert. Let's say that. Well, you, you're, you're definitely more knowledgeable than us, and you're always hungry for more information about bees. You, How many thousands of bees do you have in your, in your possession, I guess? <laughs> uh, currently, right now, I have five hives, which is probably, well, you know, they're building up for summer and honey production, so that's probably close to, mm, I don't know, at least 
seventy thousand bees right oh, now. Oh whoa! Right, yeah, so yeah. king of bees is what his title should be. <laughs> Mark Nagel, king of bees. <laughs> so so you, but you're also a, probably the most science-minded guy I know relative to seeking out information. You you don't go to greenscience.com for your information on GMOs or bees. You don't go to to the ev- evolution unleashed or what is it, the mindunleashed.com. You go to reputable, peer-reviewed science sites to answer questions. Yeah, I pull all my information from published papers that have been peer-reviewed or working with um, scientists um, that are working in the field. So from the perspective of science and from the perspective of a person who is actively interested, concerned about... uh, colony collapse disorder and the different things that are affecting honeybees, what would you say to her to answer Rachel's question? In order to answer the question, I think the best thing to do is to kind of understand GMOs and how genetics work. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's really been discussed, discussed very much. And then once you understand how that works, you can kind of discuss how pesticides and herbicides work. And then once you know that knowledge, you can kind of discuss on what's happening to the bees. The way I started discussing and understanding GMOs is I actually started asking people how they felt about GMOs. And 99% of the people don't know why they think GMOs are bad. They all do think they're bad, but they don't know why. Right. And the one common thing that everyone says when you mention GMO is Monsanto. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, the first thing I did is I went to Monsanto's webpage. I don't know if you've ever visited it, but they have a history section. And in... The history of the company, they actually talk about um, what they're doing uh, to help bees, which it surprised me. Hmm. Wow. It's the last thing I expected to see on their webpage. But they've actually started um, a Honey Bee Advisory Council. They've appointed some very prominent beekeepers to the advisory board. And they've gone out and purchased a company called Bee Logics, which actually developed um, double-strand RNA antiviral products for honeybees to help combat um, problems in the hive. Hmm. So this evil corporation, they care about bees? Well, that it blew me out of the water. <laughs> and I was also, but, you know, my first thing was, oh, man, they're making GMBs. <laughs> There's going to be some super bee that they're developing, um, or they're going to be robotic, or I don't know. Right. Well, they're going to be employed by the CIA with little machine guns on their backs. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can finally get back to Iraq to take the oil that we lost when ISIS took over. <laughs> so what I what I did next is I went to free patents online. I don't know if you've ever used that to look at patent ideas. No, that's awesome. But I went to there and I searched for the two terms Monsanto and RNA, as in the other form of DNA. <laughs> yeah. I came back with two patents right away. <laughs> I'm not going to read you the patent because it's real, real yeah, scientific yeah. and technical. That's, that's dry, but essentially, <laughs> what it essentially says is that the public is sick of pe- pesticides. The name of the patent is RNA interface, well, genetic RNA, I technology, and chemical pesticidal agents being not selective to exert their effects on non-targeted fungi. Hmm. So essentially, if you read through it, it tells you that what they are using is genetic RNA interface technology to allow plant breeders to develop crop cultivators that control pests in the same manner that plants naturally control viruses. So essentially, all a plant breeder needs to do is produce a, a unique target protein for a pest, splice that gene into the plant, and it'll 
block that pest from being able to um, build that specific protein. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's it, it, that's good because essentially those double-strand RNA molecules are already naturally found in plant tissues. Those blocking molecules would be specific entirely to that pest. So you would be completely non-toxic to any humans or any other species of insect. And wow. also you're going to be just as rapidly biodegradable as a plant is. Like a plant, once it dies, generally does not last for another three months until it biodegrades. Right. So pretty much everyone wins except for pest control people. Right. <laughs> I mean, because you're not using toxic pesticides um, and you're really su supporting sustainable farming technology. Plus, if Monsanto does this, they're kind of like <laughs> supporting their own products because they have to keep changing the cultivators just a little bit to avoid pest resistance. So this is, is this a, a patent pending kind of a thing or is this already? It's, this is what they're working on doing. Yes. Huh. That's awesome. Pending. So they really are in the market to help the situation with the decline in the numbers of bees in this country. Yes. They're trying to get an eco-friendly pest control model going. That's, that's awesome. But so, then, but so, so what's the problem, right? And, and not related to the bees, the problem with GMOs is, you know, really is internet and mass media have really just kind of made GMOs and GMO crops to be some sort of abomination of nature. And it's like, it's, it's like a bad religion. They're just pushing them away. They don't want anything to do with it. Um, all companies and food producers write non GMO on their, yeah on their food. Now it's become, it's become a selling point. It's, it's real funny to me because <laughs> they, in, in like the organic farming community, especially really, endorses biotechnology for marker assisted selection you know but then they draw the line as soon as you want to insert desirable genes to make those plants more productive yeah i don't understand listen i i don't understand the all the hubbub the the only argument i've i've heard and it is a little bit concerning is that in in gmo crops they are it's one genetic variation and if a disease that targets that wipes out wheat it'll wipe out all of the wheat if like a, a, a plant plague happens so th well, that i see could be concerning but we're certainly not there yet and i'm certain that a company of as valued as monsanto isn't going to go into this half half cocked and just hope that their particular product doesn't get wiped out by some disease well, and Monsanto, by all means, is not is not like the best company in the world. I mean, they have their issues. Their first problem is they need to hire a better PR person. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's half their problem. But, you know, and there's a lot of money in this industry, and there's a lot of corruption, and so they've taken a big hit. You know, there's rumors of them bullying, you know, to use their seeds or whatever. But, you know, it's... it's the thing it's, is, though, that's business. Right, exactly. Bill, that's Bill Gates, Bill Gates without a doubt the most philanthropic beautiful man on the goddamn planet he did the same thing to yeah. net to netscape he did he did those type of i'm using air quotes here nefarious business practices that's business we need to separate what we feel about business and what we feel about the science behind what they do because you know when we look at it honestly and like i've said on this show a hundred times this is a moral issue millions of people are able to be fed in the third world it, it gm crops don't affect us like they do people in india or mexico 
or other drought-stricken, famine-stricken areas. So, and 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 to address the point you brought up, and you know, also the comment brought up about um, um, monoculture crops, uh, where a disease would hit and it would die out. Let me let me kind of rewind a second and get to the point of how that that's being avoided. You never hear about how that's being avoided. You hear it's it's one of the biggest arguments, but they're actually doing things to avoid that. The way GMOs work is actually organic farmers started this whole process in a quick and dirty way. Like back in the back in the time of slaves, they were the original ones to do GMO kind of marker assisted selection. And now science is just starting to develop it. Right, right. So the best way to think about it is like the way, you know, you remember Jurassic Park where you had the little cartoon DNA? And yeah. They talk about how they made the dinosaurs by replacing missing strands with frogs mm -hmm. DNA. All right, well, GMO operations now are just doing that with crystalline proteins. And what they used to do back in the day is they would take spores from bacterium um, that would kill caterpillars, and they'd put those, they'd germinate those in caterpillars' guts. And wow. then that bacterium would produce um, insectoline crystal crystalline insecticidal crystalline proteins that's hard to say are <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna call it cry proteins because that's what they all call them yeah and those yeah, I will guess bind they're, to, they're hard to say for everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> they bind to specific receptors inside the insect's wall and since these different species have different receptors on their gut cells the different strains of the bacteria evolved to specifically kill various caterpillars beetles whatever you wanted so for example they do it in beekeeping now they do it um, specific to the species to kill wax moths on combs of honeycomb, which won't kill bees. It only kills the um, moth larva. Hmm. So in terms of Rachel's question and the, the endangerment to bees and the, the threat of GMOs to bees, so, that's a non-issue. Well, it it is kind of in in a different sort of way. So from where I was talking about with the crystalline and, and how that works, the replacement, what they do is when they're spreading GMO seeds, some of Monsanto seed mixes or the farmers, they need to be also planting a refuge crop in with those of the original wheat. So if you're planting GMO wheat, you mix in normal wheat with it to have the diversity to avoid ruining the gene pool. Right. So that's how, and that's the way that farmers should be doing it. So if if the to avoid, uh, you know, for example, <laughs> you know, like you said, something happening and wiping out an entire species. Sure, but uh, to to directly address Rachel's question about the bees thing. So what's happening is, what what the reason GMOs and pesticides are what they've done is like Monsanto came up with Roundup, or crop science, or Bear crop science came up with Liberty herbicide. Mm -hmm. And what those are, those are spe specific to not hurt the plant that they're going on to, but make that plant um, resistant to pests or the weeds around it. So what's happening is with them putting that amount of pesticide down, you're starting to get to the point where the farmers have done it quicker than Monsanto can do the science. And so now you're starting to get like super weeds or super pests. Yeah, right. So what they do, what's happening is the farmers are adding other pesticides to Roundup. So there's, out of all the science done, there's no strong evidence that spraying of Roundup kills bees or even has an effect on humans. You know, that's the effect on the endocrine system or whatever that really hasn't been proved. That's sure. that's a whole separate thing. 
But as far as on bees, it's not the Roundup or that that's killing the bees. It's the it's the farmers that are using the added they're pesticides. U- they're using additional chemicals to com- yes. com- to combat the super weeds. Right. And then that, those chemicals are deadly to bees. So it's it's not necessarily G, uh, GM related. It's kind of a sideways issue because of the efficacy, yes, of genetically modified crops, and then the derivative products like Roundup, right? Huh. And so, and so, and then on top of that, they're they're kind of doing what they refer to as clean farming, where they use now herbicides and pesticides to get rid of all the weeds along fence rows and ditches, get rid of all pests everything and what that is doing is it's getting rid of all the bee forage that they would go to instead of going to say other pesticide treated um right crops so colony collapse i probably should have covered this in the first is actually it's it's not one thing it's it's several things that are combining to it you know commercial beekeeping moving of beehives not having enough of the proper diet and pesticides those are all things and the thing you have to remember is that in North America, bees aren't native. Bees came over with the pilgrims. Yeah, I've heard uh, you, and so, I, I've heard you talk about that before, and that is fucking fascinating to me that yeah, they are not they're not a native North American thing. Or South American. Yeah. So what happens is so what we consider weeds, those are old world flowers. Yeah, right, right. And most I'm 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 serious. Most yeah, of the yeah. time what people here think are weeds, those also came over. And so they're not native to the United States, but they're native to bees. Yeah. And so they choose weeds over sometimes flowering crops, which have been sprayed, which then goes back into the hive and hurts them. Huh. But that so but but it's still not necessarily a GMO issue. It's right. It's just a pesticide getting rid of what we consider a a damaging weed, which is just a native and even evolutionarily, it's something that's tasty snack for the bees. Right. For example, dandelions. First thing bees look for when they come out of a hive is a dandelion. Yeah, mm-hmm. they will uh-huh. go to a dandelion quicker than anything else. And you know, you talk to ninety percent of people that have grass yards; they spray for dandelions. Right. So what so, you're saying is the dandelion is the it's the <laughs> it's the the McDonald's the quick fast food fatten up. Yep, the go-to. It's the, it's the first thing that blooms in the spring, generally. Huh. So they're used to genetically. They're used to seeing those, and when they see those, that's where they go for food. Well, it's huh. awesome. Listen, I I'm glad you came on. It's I know that you're certainly p- passionate about bees. You you you're very interested in promoting bee health. You recently had an issue in your own apiary where yes. a neighbor or someone sprayed a toxic chemical to combat whatever. And you had large it, loss, loss of life yep. in your in your apiary. Yeah, it came back to my yard. So, so we're trying to recover from that now. So you're certainly someone who isn't raw raw GMOs. You're you're definitely a proponent and an advocate for bees if there was one to be had. You know, and what it is, is it's just, you know, integrated pest management, which, you know, University of California 50 years ago, they laid foundation for integrated pest management. I try to do integrated pest management myself. And that's, you know, just using different coordinated tactics to get rid of pests and weeds without using chemicals. Yeah. And if, if you do it, you know, 
natural pest control mechanisms, natural weed control me- mechanism. It's amazing. Your garden will grow better. You'll at first you'll think, man, these bugs aren't going away, but then all of a sudden you won't have bugs anymore. Because if you just keep up with it, yeah. and it's just planting simple flowers or things, knowing what the bug, the bugs you don't want, what they don't like, and using it against them. That's essentially what it is. And you don't have to spray chemicals. And if you decide to spray chemicals, just do it at night. Do it right before dusk when bees aren't flying. Yeah, I, I saw that you put that on your Facebook page on Mark's Bee Hole. Everybody, Mark's <laughs> B E E Hole on Facebook. Everybody should go follow this page. Even if you're not super interested in bees or even remotely interested, it, if you're interested in science and just how to do science, this is a great page because it, it it's taught me an immense amount. I've been in random conversations when somebody brings up colony collapse and my ears perk up and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm, oh, you know, I actually know a little bit. Oh, and I, you know, I can fake it a little bit. So it's awesome. Or you just pull up Mark's B-hole page and start reading posts from it. Like, oh, I know what I'm talking about. Right. So, and, you know, and, and coming up, I'm starting to work a little more with bee genetics and I'm going to work with and coordinating and, and side to side with BYU working on developing, you know, some bacterium that fights American fowl brew disease. And I'll be posting about stuff like that. So, yeah. So definitely go check it out. Listen, Mark, we, as always, appreciate your support. You've been a, a an early adopter, if you will, of the podcast. And we appreciate your support as always. I love you, man. You've been a good friend for a long time, and we will definitely have you on next time someone cries from the rooftops about the evils of GMOs. All right. Thanks. All right, buddy. <laughs> Talk to you later. Goddamn. I'm dumb. I, you know, it's... I, I'm I, nodding my head. I re- Yeah, I know. You're in agreement. Mm-hmm. You're always in agreement, mm-hmm. especially those moments. But I really noticed just how not smart I am, I think, when I talk to, so- when I talk to someone who has brains. Right. And Mark's a guy who definitely has some brains on him. Yes, that is apparent. Degree in physics. It's he's he's your worst. Those classes he had to take to achieve what he's achieved educationally would have been the bane of Brittany Page's existence. Yeah, no. Physics. No. Goddamn. No. I took physical science in college. <laughs> Isn't that taught in like seventh grade? Um, I don't know, but I, I took it in college and it was, it was rough. No good, huh? Yeah, it was rough. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was good. Any more questions? Look, you can pose them to the Facebook page. You can also leave a message, 657-464-7609, or you can email a voice memo to us from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Listen, if you... If you appreciate what we do here, we provide you some level of entertainment, some level of of a vehicle to move the conversation forward. If you genuinely are liking what we do here, why don't you think about supporting us in other ways than listening? Like go into dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's the amazon.com search bar. If you're going to spend your money at amazon.com anyway, why don't you visit my site? Why don't you visit dollamore.com? And go there via the search bar. You're not going to spend any more. And every little bit goes a long way to support your favorite show filled with news. News. And ridiculous comments. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Oh, we got another one. Another presidential candidate has officially 
jumped into the race. Are you going to play the banjo music again? Oh, you know what? Very fitting that I have it now because it's perfect for this. Welcome to Central South Carolina. My hometown. Many of you have known me for a long time. I'm not aging that well, am I? <laughs> Some of you have known me since my family lived in the back of the bar in that building. But I'm pretty sure no one here, including me, ever expected to hear me say, I'm Lindsey Graham, and I'm running for President of the United States. Thank you. I hope, yeah, okay, I'll turn back there. I hope they hear that all over the world, that I'm running for President of the United States. And that right there is what I want to talk about. That last comment. Not all the folksy, hey, I used to live in the barn over there, and he, that's not it. It's this weird, I hope they heard it all over the world that I'm running for president. I will put the fear of, I don't know why I'm talking, so. Well, because he most certainly yeah, was he, not he talking not, like oh, that. Oh, boy to God, I declare, <laughs> I'm running for president of these United States. <laughs> That would be more more akin to how he talks, but he has he has kind of the same problem that George H. W. Bush had mm-hmm. that he has an image issue, and he he's trying too hard to be a tough guy. And that last sentence, where I hope that they've heard everywhere across the land, you know, I'm I am Lindsey Graham, and I'm running for president of the United States, and I hope everyone hears it all across the world because. I'm a tough guy and they'll they'll have to answer to me when I'm president. Yeah, I just feel like he should start with I want everyone in the United States to hear that I'm running for president <laughs> and learn who I am <laughs> and then move on to the world cuz I don't feel like if we surveyed Americans, I mean what percentage would know who Lindsey Graham is? Right. Well, to be fair, if you if you survey Americans, I don't think most of them even know that fucking South Carolina exists. So Fair. <laughs> but true. I don't think his Q rating or whatever it's called relative to your who knows who you are, you know, your recognizability, he's probably pretty low on the scale. Right. So he's a senator uh, from South Carolina and he's been in office since 2003 and he is obviously a member of the Republican Party. He's been in the Senate since 2003. Prior to that, he was a senior leadership level congressman. From, from South Carolina, obviously, who had uh, a very prolific role in the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, he's he's made a name for himself. He is a Southern Baptist as well. Yeah, unmarried. There are rumors that he is a homosexual. Mm-hmm. John, John Stewart gives him shit about it every time that he brings his name up. So... Yeah, and John Stewart also re- recently referenced a funny thing where Rand Paul was talking about the NSA surveillance and Lindsey Graham was actually caught on video rolling his eyes as Rand Paul started to talk about this. Right. Because they are very much at odds on the surveillance issue. Right. Well, it's part of why I think Lindsey Graham has an image issue, much like H.W. Bush did, George H.W. Bush, where 
he tried to act like such a tough guy all the time because he felt like he was perceived as weak or a wimp. And I think the same thing is happening with Lindsey Graham, and that's why that last sentence that I hope everybody across the world hears it, because he's always, you know, he's, he's perceived as a little, uh, I don't know, dandy. He's kind of a dandy, mm-hmm. is a term they would have used during the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Because Thomas Jefferson kind of faced the same thing, that he was a, a fop or a dandy. Mm. These are words I think they use. Okay. Yeah. So... He's facing the same thing. I mean, wasn't it just a few weeks ago that he said something that was a little radical, trying to be a tough guy? Yeah, he made remarks at the Lincoln Dinner in Des Moines, Iowa on May 16th. And on surveillance, he said, if I'm president of the United States and you're thinking about joining Al-Qaeda or ISIL, I'm not going to call a judge. I'm going to call a drone and we will kill you. If you're thinking about it? Right. Thinking so he's thought gonna, crimes. He's going to prosecute th- thought c- crimes. It's going to become minority <laughs> report up in here. Scary times. John Anderton taking care of biz in, by way of Lindsey Graham. Yes. I do declare. So anyway, he's in the race and that's uh, that's what it is. So now we're up to nine. Lucky number nine. Well, it's also not a fair quote. I just want to add this on real quick because, well, I thought about joining Al-Qaeda and ISIL when I read that statement because I read the statement. <laughs> so that's not fair. Some people just have the thought because you just made them right. read it. You put it in my head when I was reading it. He's, he's what, I don't know. Well, thank God he doesn't have a control of the drones. Otherwise, you know, we would be in ruins here. Brittany Page, <laughs> stop thinking about joining ISIL. Okay. I know it's an appealing prospect for you. Right. You need to stop it. No. In other news, big time news this week, and the only reason this is going to be a part of democracy is for the fact that a, a, a presidential candidate made a comment about it, but the the former Bruce Jenner has now revealed her new identity Caitlyn Jenner, and she is on the cover of Vanity Fair magazine. And this has stirred, I mean, as you could imagine, this has stirred up the hornet's nest that is the right-wing conservative area of the Republican Party. Oh, yeah. So I guess we'll get, uh, we're going to get a lot of play out of this. (laughs) We are now in... City after city, watching ordinances that say that your seven-year-old daughter, if she goes into the restroom, cannot be offended, and you can't be offended if she's greeted there by a 42-year-old man who feels more like a woman than he does a man. Now, I wish someone had told me when I was in high school that I could have felt like a woman when it came time to take showers and P.E. I'm pretty sure I would have found my feminine side and said, Coach, I think I'd rather shower with the girls today. Hateful fuckers laughing. You're laughing because it sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet today, we're the ones who are ridiculed and scorned because we point out the obvious, that there's something inherently wrong with forcing little children to to be a part of this social experiment. I'm not against anybody. I'd just like for somebody to bring their brain to work someday and not leave it on the bedstand when they show up to govern. I'm tired, sick and fucking tired of everyone saying things like that. I'm not against anybody. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you are, Mike Huckabee. Yeah, you are. Yeah, for sure. If you're trying to, if you're trying to oppress 
homosexuals and not allow them to enjoy the same rights, the same privileges that are protected under the law and provided by from the state as, as straights, then you are against people. You are hating people. You are being aggressive and actively opposing full citizenship and full rights for other Americans. Well, right. And he's he does that with homosexuals. And then here he is with the transgender, transgender population. Right. And he is making light of it and making a joke about it. Right. And also, it's a very creepy joke. He's, he's essentially saying, if I would have known there was a way that I could have been able to prey on women, I would have done that. I mean, that's what he said. Right. It's, 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 it's Mike Huckabee saying that he wishes he was ch- transgendered so he could shower with teenage girls. Yeah, that's that's creepy. That's what he said. That's that's <laughs> creepy. And that I don't think that a lot of people's brains work like that. So I don't right. think he needs to be projecting that onto other people. Well, keep in mind, Brittany, he's part of a faith that large, large swaths of his religion believe if it wasn't for the Bible and the tenets of their faith, they would go on rape sprees. The only thing keeping them from murdering and 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 looting and raping is the Bible, is the quote-unquote morals that are provided for within the scriptures that they they read. Well, so Mike Huckabee is really not doing himself any favors here with this whole election thing because... He's, he's done so. First, he defends Josh Duggar. Right. Now he is making these remarks. And I'm sorry, but this is not winning over millennials. Okay, yeah. it, it's just not. So that's where you need to be winning people over. And that's, that's not going to happen with the way that he's talking. Well, I, th- that's the point. That, th- and I've been talking about this for, for many, many episodes on this show, that the Republican Party has a messaging issue, that they are, they're not paying attention to very important polls. When 58% of millennial Republicans, when they are on board with gay marriage, you're losing your base because your base is dying off. We've talked about those, those numbers before. He's grasping at straws by trying to appeal to that base, quote-unquote. Because right. that's not the base anymore. And if it is, this is the last election cycle where it is going to be the base. Right. And the Republican Party is only damaging itself and the future of the party when they don't step into modernity and move forward with the rest of the world and embrace science and just the way things are. Speaking of the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing, though, there has been a lot of a reaction on both sides to her reveal, I guess, with the with the Vanity Fair thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of disconcerting for me. I've seen a lot from even liberal people that I that I am friends with on Facebook. And I think we should pump our brakes a little bit. <laughs> the people who are progressives and and are understanding and empathetic to the plight that, you know, her situation, Caitlyn Jenner, I think they should be a little bit more patient with those who are slower to come around. And I say that because when I see there's a movie that's coming out, a documentary that we we see as a trailer all the time, and I don't know if it's coming out on Netflix or what, or if it's a series, and it's about a family where the kid, his dad is going through, I guess, gender reassignment. And his so his father is becoming a mother. And 
they're interviewing the kid and it's obviously uncomfortable for him and whatever, but he loves his dad and he talks about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just losing my dad. I'm not going to have a dad anymore. And when watching this, and I'm just being open and honest here, I know in my mind that it's a-okay. I know in my mind that this is a real thing that they were born this way and I'm okay with it. But because it's so new to me, I I have to check my my initial uncomfortableness with it. Right. With my brain. And some people, and listen, I'm pretty open goddamn minded about stuff, but some people aren't. And I think we should give be a little bit more patient. And I'm not talking about being patient to the bigoted hateful fuckers out there right not when people are explicitly hateful right i'm talking about people who are who generally just need to be brought around with a conversation or something right and i'm not seeing that a lot from a lot of people on facebook you have friends who are are being outright uh angry and venomous about it Right. And I, I think it's strange just because for, for anyone who's who's angry about the Caitlyn Jenner situation or who has has their mind made up that yeah. this is a publicity stunt, that this isn't a real thing, that, you know, your DNA is a man forever, regardless <laughs> of what you want to do. So I just wonder how many of those people that have their minds made up have, you know, researched gender dysphoria or read about gender dysphoria, yeah. taken the time to try to understand how this comes about, maybe, you know, just read about it. I wonder how many people have tried to read about it or understand it. Not a chance. Right. And I would say not a lot yeah. because I don't understand how, even if it's a confusing thing for you, even if it's hard to accept, how you couldn't have compassion for someone that is in the situation. I agree. And we've talked about this before. We watched the Diane Sawyer interview with Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner yeah. And you had commented that you didn't like him as a person when yeah, you were still, watching it. Still don't. Even the pictures that I've seen of Caitlyn Jenner in the Ferrari and all the... Listen, and here's... Let me unpack it a little bit more. Again, it's kind of the same thing as like the Ferguson situation where it doesn't have to be if you support the heroic thing that Caitlyn Jenner is doing, which I do, it doesn't mean I, she has to be this wonderful role model. I could. She just signed a deal for a for a, a, another Kardashian-like bullshit reality show on E. So I think that that's vapid. There's something terrible in there. There's something wrong with him slash her. To be attracted to the, the the bullshit that is that family. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just me being judgmental, but that's kind of how I, that's my vibe. So I don't, I think that, that Caitlyn Jenner is eh, not my favorite, but I admire the strength that it's taken to do what she's done. Right. And it doesn't hurt anyone to just be compassionate. You know what I mean? It's... We might not understand it, and people that are commenting negatively might not understand it, yeah. and that's fine. But but it wouldn't hurt to just be compassionate and, and under and try to understand the plight of someone else and what they might be feeling, right. what they might be experiencing. I think that should be the lesson on almost everything: is take a stab at compassion first before you condemn or start spewing hate and vitriol on social media, because that's what I'm seeing. 
Big news today. The TSA announced. <laughs> well, they had some announcements, and I think I'm going to let our favorite, Shepard Smith, tell you about it. Yes. TSA is horrible. We've thought this because we have eyes and ears for a long time, but now it is confirmed by a government test that TSA failed wildly. The TSA let people slip through security with illegal weapons and fake bombs, and it happened again and again and again at many of the nation's busiest airports. ABC News first reported on this. It's from a classified report from a government watchdog. We don't have it all yet, but the headlines tell much of the story. The report claims undercover teams from the Department of Homeland Security posed as passengers and set out to beat the system, and beat the system they did. Those investigators were reportedly able to smuggle mock explosives or banned weapons through checkpoints 95% of the time. 19 times out of 20, good to go with your fake bombs. <laughs> A Department of Homeland Security spokesman tells Fox News it, in part, and I quote, the numbers in these reports never look good out of context, but they are a critical element in the continual evaluation of our aviation security. So out of 70 attempts, 67 were successful. And here's the other thing that is really, I think, the largest problem about all this is these weren't weapons experts. These weren't bomb or they weren't spies these weren't james bond types who were skilled in the art of hiding weapons and luggage they were just normal office staffers yeah that's terrifying just regular people with no proclivity to 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 have skill to do this and they were successful 95 percent of the time well as a result only hours later after this was released the TSA administrator, Melvin Carraway, has been sacked. He is out. I don't know, at the time of this broadcast, <laughs> I don't know if he is uh, voluntarily resigned or if he was kind of, uh, you know, let go. But he is no longer at the helm of the TSA. Right. So if you're wondering how did this happen? How were they getting bombs and weapons through? Because we just heard that story recently. It was on um, social media everywhere where the child was put in a suitcase and they tried to get him through security in the suitcase, <laughs> but they saw his entire right, skeleton right. in the suitcase. So they stopped him. Apparently, an undercover agent had a fake bomb strapped to his back and he set off the magnometer and the airport screener failed to find the bomb so he had a bomb strapped to his back right it set something off and the screener was just like oh no you're good like when you're walking out of a store and the right <laughs> and, the, and the alarm goes off and they're like yeah yeah it goes off all the time just keep going yeah what <laughs> what, what are you doing yeah i listen I, I don't know because they have a grave job with mighty responsibility on their shoulders to keep americans and others safe on planes within U.S. airspace. We don't want another 9-11 happening. Listen, 19 hijackers took down those airplanes with box cutters. They were able to subdue the other passengers with only box cutters. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what would happen if they had a gun or explosives on board? Yeah. It, it, is, it is incomprehensible to me that we have allowed this government agency, the TSA, because it used to be private contractors. Pre-9-11, this was, this was just private contractors. Hmm. Now, they are 
apparently or su- supposedly highly trained. And listen, if you've flown even as little as I fly, you know that they are not really highly trained professionals. Right. These are flunkies of the highest order. And I know it's harsh, but goddamn, no good. I'm never, I've never one time been impressed by the performance of the TSA. In fact, I'm always, and that might be just my disdain for authority, governmental authority in general, but usually I'm very disappointed with their performance. Well, this is just scary because they failed 67 out of 70 tests. Yeah. Now, this means that they got through 67 guns or bombs That's or right. some sort of weapon. Right. 67 got through. Right. Well, like Shep said, one out of 20 yeah. they caught. I mean, it's almost, it's just terrifying. I mean, these are the people that are going to be screening us tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. Protecting us and not doing a great job. Actually, tomorrow will be the safest day to fly because they're going to be on their shit tomorrow. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Yeah, so we're lucky that this came out today because tomorrow they're going to be on their game. Well, so now we'll just be harassed. Right, it's going to be utter harassment. For no reason at all. I got a beard, I'm going to be searched. (laughs) Well, I do have a funny airport story. I love funny airport stories. It doesn't involve the TSA. I might have told it before, but, you know, everyone loves hearing stories multiple times. Um, So I was flying out of Orange County, which Orange County is, you know, just a wonderful place full of superficial people. And Orange County, for those of you who don't know, is where the MTV series Laguna Beach was filmed. And the OC, there was a show about it on yeah, Fox. Yeah, the, the show called The OC, Orange County. It's where Kobe Bryant lives. Every opulent, wealthy, crazy per- I mean, within within one mile of where we live right now, there are $40 million houses. We live across the street from normal houses that are a million and a half dollars. Normal, normal family, single family homes that are 1.5, 1.6 million dollars. So yeah. it's a weird place to live. Yes. So I was at the airport and the girl in front of me, you know, they still have that rule where you need to take your laptop out of your bag and put it in yeah, a separate of bin. It's been that way for years. Right. So she was in front of me and she had her laptop in her bag. And one of the TSA agents came over and said, hey, I'm going to need you to put your laptop in a separate bin. And she said, that's a MacBook Pro. Oh, yeah. that's not a laptop TSA <laughs> screener. That's a MacBook Pro. Thank you. And he said, yeah, I'm going to need you to put it in the bin. Like... <laughs> It's still a laptop. I understand that it's, you know, super expensive for no reason. And it just because it looks good, like put right. it in the next. It's bend. an Apple product. Oh, I'm going to ba- let me. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll do a couple bows and prayers to your <laughs> MacBook Pro. But then you got to put it in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it together. It's dumb. I've had lots of I think I've explained sometimes some more embarrassing moments where I got aggressive with other passengers because they were being dicks to me in my younger days when I. You know, didn't have the filter that I have now. Right, right. But generally, we have a good time. Yeah. I Have we ever talked about Itchy McScratchy Head? Um, I think so, but let's have at it. We took a flight one time, and on the way back, you know, we had a couple drinks at the at the bar on the way out, and there was a gentleman, you know, how the, the seats aren't right next to one another. They're kind of offset. They're kind of staggered. Right. And he was in the in the row right next to us, but just ahead of us. And we were able to see him from our seat, and he was reading a book and scratching his head for probably 15 minutes straight. 
Yeah. I, I took a video of this and put it on YouTube. And th- this video wasn't the longest. And it wasn't the... It just seemed to me to be the, the funniest to put up. Because at the end of it, I, I'm laughing and I'm trying to balance the phone. But we'll put that on the Facebook page because it's very funny. And we'd like to hear your travel stories. Well, I just feel bad for anyone that had to sit in the seat after him because I just imagine that sitting down and it was equivalent to like shaking a snow globe yes. or just all of his old man skin flakes. Yeah, because yeah. he was scratching it and then he would like take his Homer Simpson hair and kind of twist it over his head yeah, and then yeah. scratch it all again <laughs> and then take it and, and pull it to the side again. Oh, it was so good. It was no, it was it was really people need to be more mindful of their right. germs that they're spreading all over the plane. Especially on the flying test tube of pestilence that is an airplane. Please. We're, we're going to put that on the Facebook page. Check it out. If you haven't liked the Facebook page, like I said before, go like the Facebook page. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. We need some love. We need some support. All right. Let's wrap it up with this, Brittany Page. The Gallup, they just released some, some very interesting research that indicates an increase in attitudes of acceptance towards some things and just flat numbers on others. Right. While a select few actions remain deeply taboo for much of the country, there has been an increasing shift to moral acceptability for some of these over time. Such actions include suicide, which 19% of Americans call morally acceptable. Polygamy has 16% moral acceptability. And cloning humans is at 15%. On the other hand, married men and women having an affair has remained at the bottom of the list of 19 moral behaviors that Gallup has measured, with only 8% considering it morally acceptable. It's weird to me that cloning and polygamy have the same level of acceptance or lack of acceptance, conversely, because cloning, I can see. I mean, I don't really have an opinion on it. and We're not really there yet. I don't know. But polygamy, who's that hurting? You know what I mean? I just don't see. I think that's a vestige of old timey kind of thought. Yeah, well, we've talked about it before. The documentary Big Love Changed My Mind <laughs> about it. I don't think everybody knows that there was a television program on HBO called Big Love, an HBO fictional story. Documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, what's the other thing I call a documentary? Like Mad Max or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the, 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 the new documentary we just saw in the movie theater. Yeah, I call Mad, everything a documentary. Mad Max. <laughs> um, oh, 12 Years a Slave. I call that a documentary. Well, that is actually more of a documentary than Big Love. But go ahead. So bottom line, Americans today appear to have a greater comfort with a host of issues or behaviors that were at one time subject to social stigma. And even among the most taboo behaviors, there is evidence of changing moral attitudes, at least in relation to suicide, cloning humans and polygamy, which suicide is a weird thing to include in a moral issue. Well, not I don't think so, but I think they need to break down exactly what they mean by suicide. You know what I mean? If. If you wanted to kill yourself right now, I would say, no, I don't agree with that. I think that's wrong. But for Brittany Maynard or the countless people, I guess they're not countless, but the, the many people that Jack Kevorkian helped, I wouldn't just flatly consider that suicide because they are their, their death is short, shortly going to be there. It's impending. So I don't know. I think that they should do, do a better job of delineating the terms. And there's also a disproportionately high share of 18 to 29-year-olds labeling these behaviors as acceptable. And 
Wow. They still find affairs between married men and women highly unacceptable. So Mm. while they are increasing in believing that these other behaviors are acceptable, they still believe affairs are a no-go. So where are all those people, you know, making money off AshleyMadison.com? What age range are they? They're probably older who are married, you know. AshleyMadison.com, by the way, I feel like I have to just define what it is, is a dating website where you uh, only married people are allowed on it that want to have affairs. That's right. They facilitate um, adultery. That's what they are. Yes. And there's a a lot of billboards dedicated to Ashley Madison here in Los Angeles and the Orange County area. Yeah. Yeah, there are. It's weird. It's disconcerting. It's very weird. And, And there's also lots of billboards for, you know, vanity and everything else the the the, all the plastic surgery Mm -hmm. there's that one show on e or bravo or whatever that their plastic surgery office is across the street from our favorite breakfast spot which is like a mile away Mm -hmm. so no good i just why are we hating on the the, where we live right now right before we leave (laughs) i don't know not a good idea anything else in the gallup numbers no that's it, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, that is the entire report. You now you don't need to read it. <laughs> that will also be on Facebook. We love you. We appreciate you. Please be thinking about us while we're on our trip, praying that the plane does not crash in a fiery, violent ball of flame. That would be great. Your well, prayers where, would be very appreciated. Where would people get their news if that happened? That's right. Where would you be? And their amazing entertainment. There is a lot of entertainment, a lot, Brittany Page. And I'm sure they're very thankful for you for providing said entertainment. (laughs) Okay. I was being serious. And my voice is getting ready to go right now. So I keep having to clear my throat like every every two seconds. So we are done. We love you. Thanks for being with us twice a week. We appreciate you. Call. Let us know what you think about the different topics we've discussed today. 657-464-7609. Send us a voice memo from your smartphone. I doubt it at dollamore.com. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has once again been I Doubt It. Is this how the sausage is made? <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs>